The story goes that during World War II uh, in England, that the government had to decide to shut down, turn off all the lights in every town and city and village in England because the, the Nazi German bombers were flying overhead at night. And by turning off the lights, they tried to, to hide those, those easy targets, try to protect civilian lives, try to hide strategic locations, hoping that at night it would be a lot more difficult for the bombers to hit their targets. Uh, this went on for six years in England. So you can imagine the challenge of, of being in wartime, being in this world war, knowing that bombers are flying overhead and then you can't even use lights at night because that'll make you more of a sitting duck target. This went on for six years. The first month or so when this happened, people had a hard time getting used to it. And it says that they had over a thousand road accidents fatalities because people were running into each other, running over people uh, as they got used to this new reality, this new challenge that they faced. But you know who didn't have trouble seeing in the dark? It was the British Royal Air Force. The British Royal Air Force was actually having great success uh, engaging and attacking these, these incoming bombers. There was one guy that got nicknamed Cat's Eyes Cunningham because he, they said he could see so well in the dark. Uh, he's credited with shooting down at least 25 invading bombers, including three in one night. And it was remarkable how well, how, what success they were having the Royal Air Force of England in defending their country, shooting them down in the dark. And what was their secret? And the Ministry of Defense decided, hey, we'll let the secret out. We'll let everybody know what their secret is. They said, we feed our pilots a healthy dose of carrots. There you have it. That, that's the secret. That's why these British pilots could see in the night, could see to be able to knock out bombers because they were feeding them carrots. Now, how many of you believe that? Um, you know, maybe, I know carrots are, are helpful. I'm not here to put down carrots. If you're in the carrot business, then, you know, you, uh, God bless you. And, and that's a good thing. But carrots actually are healthy for us, right? We know they give us vitamin A. They help us to, um, to, to prevent night blindness, perhaps. Some of us that are getting up in age understand what that means, right? Not being able to see in the dark as well as we used to. And carrots are supposed to help you do that. But, but obviously, carrots don't give you some supernatural power where you can see in ways that nobody else can see in the dark. And yet the British government loved that answer because it did two things for them. One, it really rallied the people and it became an exciting thing because the people of, of England were like, well, let's grow more carrots. Let's use carrots so we can see in the dark and not run into each other and do the things we need to do. And, and our pilots are using it with great success, so let's do it. And by doing that, they were able to grow something cheap and something easy that was nutritious for them at a time when because of the war, there was a, a shortage of meat and sugar and a lot of other uh, basic staples. So the carrots help people to survive and to do well in the middle of that six-year brutal time. But the second reason the Royal Air Force loved that this was the news out there is because it kept the attention on the carrots and not on the real reason. Because the real reason that the Royal Air Force could see so well in the dark is they were implementing the first version of air-to-air -air radar in their jets, in their planes. And so that's why they were able to see in the dark. That's why they really have such success. It was, it was air-to-air -air radar equipped in their jets, and that was giving them success. 
Now put a bookmark there, put a pause there for a minute. Uh, I'd like to just uh, say good morning, Calvary. Good morning, those of you watching online. We wish you were here. We could hug you and and shake your hand, but glad you're at least with us virtually. Uh, I'm Pastor David Chan. I'm the executive pastor here. Currently, I'm also the, what they call the acting lead pastor because Pastor Julio, like he told us last week, is on a 12-week sabbatical. And he's gonna take some time to refresh, to hear from God, to get, to get renewed, uh, which is something we give our lead pastors after many years of service here. And so myself and a couple of our other staff members are gonna be uh, preaching and, and, and taking care of the things that Pastor Julio normally does. Um, and so we're excited. I mean, and I'm excited, especially today, to introduce to you this new series that we're doing. Uh, we're not gonna be talking about night vision, right, exactly, but we are gonna be talking about a different kind of vision. And, and this whole series over the next several weeks, you're going to hear us call it, Come and See. Come and See. And today specifically, I want to challenge you and encourage you to see the new, the new things that God wants to do in and through our lives. Because the reality is, we can be somewhere and not see it if we don't have the right perspective or the right equipment to see through. Carrots only help you so far when it comes to night vision. But air-to-air radar, now you're talking about seeing at a whole different level. And that's the kind of thing that we're inviting us to. We really believe that God is calling us, Calvary, this year to, to see the new. What is the new thing that God is doing? What is the new thing he wants to do in your life, in my life, in our community, and in our world? It'd be very easy to miss it. It'd be very easy to, to just see what we see all the time. And it'd be very easy to not have, if you, if, if you would, spiritual radar and be able to see the things that God is challenging us to see. But that's the hope and that's the challenge. And over the next several weeks, we'll look at different passages in the Gospel of John. So we're going to be going on a journey through John, uh, different passages that we're going to select that that have that idea of come and see. What is it that God wants us to see? Now, I I love the song that we just sang before the sermon. It's one of my favorite ones, that God is a way maker. Uh, He he does so much for us. And and the, the, the song says, even when I don't see it, he's working. And that's 100% true. But here's the, here's the challenge for you today. That even when we don't see it, he's working, but we actually may never see it if we don't position ourselves with the right perspective, if we don't open ourselves up to let God do what he wants to do in our lives, then we may never see what he's doing. And we may get used to a life of just saying, well, you know, I, I just hope everything's okay and I'm just doing the best I can. Uh, a life of apathy or a life of not caring or not expecting God to move in new ways. See, God knows this about us. And there's a very challenging passage in Isaiah 43, which we're going to start with today. Isaiah 43, verses 15 to 19. I I put this version that I'm going to read up on the screen for you. But God knows this about us, that we we actually can be in the middle of, of God working and not see what he's doing. And here's what he says. In Isaiah 43, 15, I am the Lord, your holy God, Israel's creator and king. I am the one who cut a path through the mighty ocean. I sent an army to chase you with chariots and horses. Now they lie dead, unable to move. They are like an oil lamp with the flame snuffed out. And look what he says in verse 18. Forget what happened long ago. Don't think about the past. I am creating something new. There it is. Do you see it? Uh, Other versions say, do you not perceive it? I am putting roads in deserts, streams in thirsty lands. I am doing the impossible. I am renewing. I am doing new things that that nobody can imagine. And so what's interesting here in this passage is first God reminds Israel 
which is the Old Testament people of God in the New Testament, the, the, the work of God has shifted in a very unique way in which, in which he works through his church, which is people from all nations, all people groups, all languages that call Jesus Lord and Savior as his people. But in the Old Testament, he worked specifically through the people of Israel to, to lead to the point of history in which we are now. And he reminds them of the greatest event in their history, the Exodus. The Exodus marked their calendar, it marked the celebrations, it marked their worship, it marked the way that they knew God because he took them out of Egypt and created them as a new people, as a new nation. And he's reminding them of that story and he said, look, you already had the odds stacked against you. Pharaoh, Egypt, the most powerful empire in the world, they're controlling you and I set you free. I didn't cause you to flee, I set you free. There's a big difference. God says, I had a purpose to deliver you I wasn't just letting you escape. I actually had a purpose to deliver you. And he says, and I even stacked the odds against you even higher. I caused Pharaoh to change his mind and he sent his chariots and horses to pursue you. But look, now they lie dead, unable to move. In case you wondered, you know, he's not mostly dead. He's all dead or they're all dead. If they were mostly dead, they would search their pockets for loose change. Anybody know that quote? No, okay, old movie quote. Uh, and so Pharaoh, Pharaoh sends his chariots to pursue them and, there, and, and, and God says, look, no matter how high the odds are stacked against you, if I have a plan to deliver you, if I am doing a new thing, it's going to happen. Nothing can stop that. And he says, so he says, remember, and now he says, forget. <laughs> it's like, wait, what God? He said, remember that, but now I want you to forget what happened because I don't want you to live in the past. You've got new battles to fight today. You've got new dreams to pursue and, and things to strive after. You've got new challenges. You've got loved ones around you who are facing new challenges. And, and so, yeah, I did great things in the past, God says, but forget it because I'm going to do something new. And the question is, will you see it? Wow, now that's a question that causes me to kind of step back and say, oh, man. Uh, just because I call myself a follower of God, a follower of Jesus, doesn't mean that I will automatically see the things God wants me to see. So it makes me ask the question, what do I need to do to see it? To see what God is going to do, what new things he will do in 2023. Uh, what do you want to see God do in 2023? Uh, maybe we need God to do something new in us individually. Maybe there's a burden or a, or a, or a challenge you've been facing for a long time. And you're like, God, can I just be free of this? Come on. But we've actually stopped kind of believing that we can be free. We're like, well, maybe that's just the way it's going to go the rest of my life. Uh, God wants us to see the new that he can do in our lives, in our marriages, in those we love, in our community, in this world. Boy, in this world, you know, it's so easy to give up hope, to stop believing. Uh, I asked people in the first service, and I'll ask you guys here too. How many of you if you don't mind raising your hand, do New Year's resolutions or some kind of goals in the new year? Just raise your hand if you do that. Yeah, very few. Oh, more than in the first service. All right, that's, that's cool, yeah. Um, I actually thought there'd be more in the first service because a lot of the older generation tends to do those kinds of things. And yet I'm encouraged by that because that, mean, that, that means, I think, that we still believe. We still believe that God can do new things in us. Now, resolutions and goals often depend on us, right? And so we get, <coughs> excuse me, we get disappointed, we let ourselves down. And so after a while, we're like, eh, I'm not, not going to do that anymore. You know, I don't want to feel like a failure. 
I stopped doing that a few years ago, but one thing I've been challenged to do is, well, what are the big prayers that I wanna see God do? So I wrote 22 prayers for breakthrough in 2022. And so I need to add one more in 2023. I actually need to add a few more because some of those prayers I actually saw God answer in 2022. So, but what are the big prayers that I want God see, God, that I wanna see God do in my life, in my loved ones, in our church? Uh, that's, that's one way to do it. But however you do it, my challenge to us this morning is, will you believe that God wants you to see new things in 2023? And will you position yourself to see them? Just this week, I was encouraged because, you know, sometimes we pray and we pray and we pray and things don't happen. But uh, I'm sure all of you have heard about that football player of the Buffalo Bills defensive back who on Monday night football was hit in a normal kind of normal play, but then he suddenly collapsed. And they said his pulse was gone. He wasn't breathing. He was practically dead on the field. And emergency response was awesome. They were quick and swift, but people began to pray. All over this country, people were praying for a guy they'd never heard of, Damar Hamlin. And now everybody knows who he is. And from, I don't know him personally, obviously, and I don't know a lot about him, but he seems to be a believer in God. And he's thanking people for prayers because a few days later, he's come from something that could have really, really ended up in his death or him being permanently incapacitated for the rest of his life. And now it looks like he's actually gonna live and he's actually gonna do well. And the outpouring of prayer that I've seen all over our country has been remarkable. And I think God is saying, look, when my people pray, when people pray, I will work. In fact, I thought it was kind of funny that it took less time for God to heal DeMar Hamlin than it took for the House of Representatives to elect a speaker, right? Because, you know, when we all get riled up with each other and start just trying to make decisions on our own, it, we tend to hit walls. But when we seek God, when we look to see the new that he wants to do, we can see new things and we can see him do great things in our lives. But, you know, a lot of us have stopped, right? A lot of us have stopped looking for God to do things in our lives. Maybe because we've, we've been disappointed. Maybe because we've had prayers that just didn't seem to be answered the way we had hoped. But... The problem with that is it doesn't just cause us to be neutral. It actually sends us into a downward spiral. If we don't believe that God wants to do new things in our lives, we actually kind of get to the point where we wonder if we even matter. Like, does God even see me? We're going to be spending a lot of time over the next several weeks in the book of John. And today we're going to look at John chapter 1. And as we get into John chapter 1, we see the calling of his disciples. I'd like for you to watch this creative scene of what the calling of one of those disciples may have looked like. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Lord our God. King of the 
the universe. Here is Raya, the Lord is one God. The Lord is one. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. Do not hide your face from me. Do you see me? This is a creative license, but using some historical context as, as, as a possibility with Nathaniel, who becomes one of Jesus' disciples, uh, may have been trained in architecture, and all he wants to do is build something for God. And yet he gets rejected, he, he finds, he, he keeps hitting walls, he feels like the heavens are close to him, that God isn't hearing him. And he, and he calls out that question, do you see me? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like, yeah, God sees everybody else, but I don't know if he sees me. I, I came to a point in my life about 10 or 12 years ago when, when I had that question and it wasn't crisis or anything. I was at a, at a conference where we were learning some, some particular discipleship methods that I was already practicing. And I was hearing all this great success other people were having. And I was like, why are they having such success with it and leading people to Christ and multiplying and, and, and creating more groups? And, and, and I just don't seem to be having that same level of success with it. And, and I really kind of started asking that question. I think it's a fair question. It's a fair question to ask God, do you see me? Right? Or do you, you know, the Bible says that God knows us by name, but sometimes I think we feel like we're just a number. Right in, in, in heaven's in, in heaven's mind, am I just number six three four seven five six two six or whatever it is? You know, do, do you feel that way? Do you feel just like just another face in the crowd? And yet, what we're going to see, I think, through this series is that God specifically invites each one of you because each one of us is uniquely and wonderfully made and he has a specific plan for each one of us to get involved in his purposes in a way that fulfills us and fulfills our destiny of who each one of us is meant to be. But, but we all have points like Nathaniel where we're asking, God, do you even see me? Do you even notice me? Uh, for me, in that particular incident or that particular conference many years ago, uh, God did something really sweet, I felt like, to bless me. Like there was a, a moment that day in the conference where, where uh, I, I ran into the, the main speaker. And, you know, if you ever run into main speakers at conferences, it's kind of like, you know, running into rock stars or something. It's kind of like, uh, don't see me, don't talk to me. You know, they, don't, they, they, they have their, their focus, they're in the zone. Uh, they don't want to talk to individuals. They're just ready to go on the stage and do their thing. They'll spend time in the green room, you know, and not, not be bothered by people. So I, I ran into him and I just thought, oh, I'm not going to bother him. But he stopped me and he wanted to know about me. And he just started asking me questions and who I was. And we ended up taking a selfie with another friend. And it was like, and it was great. It was one of those moments where God said, you see, I see you. 
I see you. Have you had those moments where God just says, I see you? Uh, And if not, he wants to remind you of that. He wants you to know that you are special and you have a a purpose in his plan in this world. So as Jesus, as Jesus comes into the world, you know, we know that Jesus does the greatest things that we need to be done. You know, he dies on the cross, he rises again, he forgives us of our sins. But Jesus also addresses a lot of our, our questions like this. Do you see me? Our deep personal questions, I think Jesus addresses in multiple ways. And we're going to see here, starting in John 1, verse 35, how does Jesus answer this question or address this question, do you see me? Starting in verse 35, reading through 39, in John 1, it says, The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, this is John the Baptist, Look, there's the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. I I don't know about you, but I love that we have a faith, that we have a, a Lord and Savior who isn't afraid to go personal with us isn't afraid to allow us into his personal space. When they said rabbi, which means teacher, like revered teacher, you know, they said, you know, we want to know you. You know, where are you staying? Where do you live? You know, how can we follow you? And you, you notice what Jesus didn't say, right? He didn't say, oh yeah, come to church on Saturday, which is when they did it back then. And, and I'll tell you more. Or he didn't say, well, here, read this book and, and, and then let me know if you have any questions. Or he didn't say, well, come to my lecture next week, Right? What did Jesus say? He said, come and see. What an amazing God we have who invites us to come and see what he's doing in a personal way, in an engaging way, in a real way. I love that about Jesus. He says, come and see. And and I think that invitation is open to you and I. Jesus invites us to come and see. Jesus says, I'm going to show you. I'm not just going to tell you. I'm going to show you what God has for you. I'm going to show you how to live in a God-honoring way. You can imitate some of the things I do so that you can also teach others how to do the same thing. Uh, We see this very same thing happen here in this passage. If we continue reading in verses 43 to 46 of John 1, watch what happens next. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip then went to look for Nathaniel, and told him, hey, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, answers Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? It wasn't a well-known place with not a great reputation. What does Philip answer? Come and see. Come and see for yourself. I love that Philip is already imitating Jesus. Jesus says, hey, you come and see. Philip's like, well, I want to do what Jesus does. So I tell another guy, hey, come and see. Uh, and, and that leads to something I think is very important. Like if this is going to matter for you, if this message is going to make any difference in your life today, then one of the ways I believe we can learn to see God's work in our lives is to get in community, in close community with other people who are helping us develop that spiritual radar to see what God wants us to see. Starting later this month, we have several ways in which you connect, you can connect with small groups here at church. You've heard us talk a lot at Calvary about grow groups. 
Grow groups are our ongoing small groups, right? They're just, they're ongoing. They meet every week, usually in a home or here on campus. And it's to develop that relationship with each other, those connections with each other. But we also have something called guide groups. And guide groups are like our midweek things. They're more like our trainings, our equippings. They have a start date and an end date. They last usually a few weeks or a few months. And the point of those are to get in a group with people to help you see a particular thing that God wants you to see. One of those guide groups is something we call Man Church. We have Man Church and Women Church. And I'd like to ask Ruben Rojas, who's our leader of Man Church, and David Cross, who's one of our main participants, to come up and talk to us a little bit about what they have seen and how this come and see message applies to Man Church. So Ruben, yeah, what it, how does this come and see message fit with what you see happening through Man Church over the last couple of years? Sure. Um, so this invitation of come and see is just really come as you are. Um, I know sometimes we come uh, weekly um, and we're, we're looking for answers and a lot of times we don't find them in, in areas where we try to search for truth and, and um, for whatever reason, we, whether it's fear or whether it's re- fear of rejection or fear of what's, what people might know about me, um, we invite men specifically just to say, just come and, and come together with a bunch of other group, a small group of men where um, you can, you can just share your life and, 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 and be able to be challenged uh, in a deeper level. And that's one of the things that, that this guy right here, when I first met him, I was pursuing him and, and uh, he came over to my house and, uh, and he didn't know that, that I was going to, I was going to invite him to be part of a small group of men uh, that be able to, to be in fellowship with one another, to challenge each other and to um, push each other in our, in our faith in, in Christ. When Reuben invited you to come to this, you I mean you'd been a longtime churchgoer. You know, you, you sit right here almost every Sunday. You know, so when he invited you, what did you respond? How was your response? What, what did you think? Well, I have to thank Reuben first of all for responding to meeting with me or pursuing me. But when he pursued me, I did not want to be pursued. And so uh, when he approached me, it was I was defensive and standoffish and uh, just a whole bunch of negative emotions. But, um, you know, having served in the church with my wife and I here for 30 years now, um, it, was a, it was a process of uh, isolation. It became a process of isolation, uh, self-sufficiency, and personal sin led me to a point of brokenness where Reuben stepped in. And so, um, yeah, as in retrospect, very grateful but at the time, there was a lot of fear. I mean, okay, if I go, what are people going to think? What are those? Who are those? What are those guys going to talk about? I've been in groups where it's very surfacey, and you expose yourself and things like, oh, that's that was a mistake, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so he we kind of met cross paths at that time, and it's turned out to be uh, the best one of the best things of my life. Yeah, yeah. So my next question to David is. Um, I know you, you've talked about being in, in, in church. You were an attender for a long time, and which probably is many of us. Um, we come to church, and but what was different about this time where I was challenging you to be part of a, a small group? And was it something that maybe you've never experienced before? And how was it different than something you've experienced at Calvary? I think one of the key things is what uh, Pastor David said is where you've got to actually come and see. And I just took a chance and uh, went to a group and uh, 
you know, I told myself I'm just going to commit to transparency and vulnerability and just be just open. And I've been so blessed. Uh, God's given me, you know, with my daughters, we always teach them about, you know, the bullseye and different relationships. And I had no one in the inner circle, the very inner circle, not the ones that you go play with and do fun stuff, but the ones that you go straight to the core. We don't talk about surface just to go straight to the middle and so God's blessed me and uh, I know just being here on Sundays just being excited seeing my brothers walk in my boys in my group and I'm not going to call them out by name but they know who they are I see them walk in and uh, I'm always excited about that and that's something I've never had uh, that male intimacy but uh, it's available here and uh, you just have to take a chance and when people commit to going into a group and say we're going to be to the point and we're going to go straight to the heart and uh, deal with heart issues, uh, it's just like, it's four and a half years now. Mm-hmm. I've just uh, been blessed and been so grateful to Reuben mm-hmm. and for Dave and the church providing that. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, David. It sounds like it's been life-changing and very impactful. But I also have a feeling you're not done yet, right? God's not done yet. So what, what would you like to see God do here in 2023 in your life, in your group? I know in, our, in my life, God continues to bless myself and my marriage uh, with my wife, Debbie. And we have couples now that we're meeting with, just, just intimacy with other people and seeing the potential of like, wow, if I would just am open and just throw it out there, how other people are seeking that. It's just sometimes we have to, uh, if that opportunity presides itself where we can actually be in that, that environment, uh, that's what we need. But yeah, the church, we just have so much potential here, so much need. We just need each other and we need to love on each other and have tons of grace and mercy. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so that in itself is, uh, gets us excited to be here every day. That's awesome, David. Yeah. Ruben, what would you have to say if anybody out there is not connected? They're like, well, I'm not so sure about how to, how to take that next step. Sure. I think, um, just the invitation that you're already saying is just, just come as you are. Um, None of us here, we have it. We're not like Superman here. I mean, we got weaknesses and we got struggles. In fact, I, I always say one of the things I say regularly is, man, if you're not in a fight, you know, something's wrong. There's always a fight for our family. There's always a fight for our marriage, for, you know, fathers, for you being a, a, a father and a good example. And, and, and that's what we want to do is we want to come together and just be able to sharpen each other and encourage each other in our faith because life is really hard in, as it is. And and, and if that's you, that maybe you've come, you've, you've come and maybe you've come in for a while and, and attending, um, don't let fear hold you back. Don't let um, maybe the feeling of, of thinking, well, I, I don't know enough, or maybe, you know, wait till tomorrow, I'll wait till the next season. Um, I think God really wants us to be obedient now and for us to take a step of faith and, and say, you know what, I want to grow even deeper in my faith and and. And um, even whatever struggle I'm having, yeah, I can come with these guys and be able to, to, to move forward and, and, and maybe find victory um, through the power of Christ. And so that's what we invite you just to come and see and say, hey, I want to come and I want to I I be able to grow in my faith as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you guys. If you, don't. Um, you know, that's just a great example, I think, of, you know, Reuben came to Jesus following him and saying, okay, what does God want me to see? And then he starts inviting others. Hey, come see. Come see what God can do in your life. Real change, real impact, real transformation. And that's what we believe God wants to do in all of us uh, if, we're, if we're willing to surrender and expose ourselves to the things that God has for us. Starting the week of January 18th, 
You're gonna hear, you're gonna see that there's opportunities for men, for women, for couples in their marriages, no matter what stage of life in your marriage you're at. We have something called Master Life, which is a kind of a basic intense discipleship group. Uh, we have Pastor Paulo will be something, doing something called Rooted. If you don't know how to connect with a group, that's a great place to start. It helps you to, to connect into one of our grow groups. Um, we're going to have something called Welcoming the Stranger, which is a, a six-week learning opportunity to figure out, okay, how, how do we minister to all these nationalities and nations that are coming to our doorstep? So there's a lot of opportunities that are going to be offered to you. And, and the point is not to make you busy with church stuff, okay? I hope you're hearing that. The point is to say, how can I position myself to see what God wants to do in me and to position myself to receive the change that God wants to bring in my life, in my loved one's and those around us. So I hope you're encouraged by that testimony. There's a lot of other stories you could tell, right, Ruben, of guys who have come, who have seen, and who are now living differently as a result of that. So that, that can happen. And that's just what I want to encourage you today is to know that that can happen. And in fact, if we look at the end of John chapter one, Jesus tells us that very thing. When Nathaniel comes to him after Philip brings him, and, and he has that interaction with Jesus and, and, and Jesus says, hey, you're impressed because I told you that I saw you from a distance, right? You're impressed by that. He says, just wait because you will see even greater things in verse 50 of John chapter one. You will see greater things. And my question to you today is, will you believe that? Will you? Will you dare to believe that in 2023, you will see greater things? You will see new things you will see God answering prayer because you're going to position yourself, you're going to equip yourself with that spiritual radar to be able to see what God wants you to see. You know, we, we can make goals, we can make resolutions for the new year, and that's a good thing. But the most important thing is to create habits, habits that will actually help bring change into your life for the better. So join us over the next several weeks as we journey through John, as we see the different things that God wants us to come and see. In the, year, in, the, in the year ahead. Would you pray with me? If everybody would just bow their heads and close their eyes, I'd like to just give you a few moments to respond. Um, like we've been doing before, you're also welcome to come and pray here at the front. Uh, there's nothing magical about the front, of course, but, but it's just helpful sometimes to, to take a physical action and to say, God, I want to come to you. I, I, I want to respond to you. And so if you'd like to come pray at the front, you're welcome to here in the next couple of moments as we have this time of just response. If you're sitting there praying just in, in your heart, just ask God, God, what do you want me to see? What new thing do you want to do in my life in the year ahead? How can I position myself to respond to you? What, what step of faith, what step of action do I need to take? so that I can see the things you want to do in my life and in those around me in the year ahead.